Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Footballistically Arsenal podcast is sponsored by Labrooks. And if you want to check out their great offers, you can go to bet.arsenalpodcast.net. Hello and welcome to Footballistically Arsenal. You will immediately recognise Boyd Hilton has done one podcast and decided that is enough for the season before he had to go off to some showbiz premiere. So that's where Boyd is tonight. It means that we are without Boyd, but we have two tremendous guests with us. Alan Alger, regular of the podcast, is to my left. Welcome, Al. Great to be here, Josh. Fantastic to see you. And of course, James Wilson, who joined us on a couple of occasions last year, is back incredibly smart from his day. Uh, it's, t- it's summery, it's hot out there, and you've gone suit, tie, the whole works today. Yeah, I don't come on, on here too often, so it's a big occasion for me. Yeah, very smart for the occasion, cufflinks and all. Whereas Al has gone for a more modest jeans, like jumper approach. Looking Still the wrong style. choice today. <laughs> yeah, uh, a bit of rain, a bit of rain in Camden today when I went out for lunch. I'm sure the same for you, Al. Yes, just around the corner. Um, well, look, it uh, is a new season, is, a, is upon us, and we've had one game and we've had one defeat, which is probably what we thought would happen in all truth. The most likely outcome was we were going to lose to Manchester City. But, Alan, it, it probably felt a bit too familiar for our liking. Yeah, because we could see what was going to go wrong before it happened, and it sort of, the game played out just as everyone expected. And I guess... Most people came to the stadium just asking for something slightly different, and I don't think there was there, there was there were too many obvious differences there. When you actually drill down a bit deeper, you, you realise that we we ran more than than any game last season. Little stats like that. I think there were some bright points, but obviously, look, you get, you get a home game, and we play nineteen home games in a in a Premier League season. That is the most difficult game we're going to be given. It was a bit of a freak of the fixture list and I don't think we can start making sweeping judgments but we can certainly analyse things that we saw yesterday and, and whether that's a pattern to the future. And we will analyse um, as we go forward. Now James, um, it, it's the hardest home game we're going to have all season. Were you of the belief it's good, get this out of the way, it's a bit of a free hit, we're not expected to win or actually is there a sense of like you just want to get that 
Emery Rain off to a win and you know it would have been lovely to have like Cardiff at home and win by a couple of goals nil because now you already looked at Chelsea and you think Christ we haven't got a good record there you're suddenly going to potentially naught from six so I mean do you view it as a free hit or do we we still despite it being a free hit not really live up to what you hoped for yesterday Um, in terms of how Emery is going to be viewed it's a free hit undoubtedly you had to you have to give him a pass well frankly not in that game alone but probably for two seasons almost because I think Gary Neville said after the game and he's right that it's going to take two to four transfer windows to sort out the imbalance in the squad that being said it would have been great as you say to have had a nice easy home game because we're clearly getting used to a new system new way of playing and those players have been drilled in the same way for year on year and Man City are the most unforgiving team when you're uncomfortable in a system because they'll just pounce upon any mistake you make and they'll be yeah, they'll take you apart fairly brutally as they did with us. Um, and I, I didn't come away too despondent because before the game I kind of said we're going to lose, but I just hope we lose a different way to what we normally do. Um, and in some some respects we did, and you could see what we're trying to do, whether it's whether it's high press from the front um, or playing out from the back, and both work to varying degrees. Um, but it is encouraging to see something different, and I think. There are. There's definitely positives to try and extract from that game. I agree that I agree that there are positives, and we'll come on to them. But one one thing there, Al, um, that, that was alluded to is we're going to if we're going to lose, let's lose differently. And I think that it's fair to say we did lose differently. But our lack of attacking threat yesterday was of some concern because you could still argue that our fear going into this season is defensively. It was Socrates making his home debut. We had our third choice left back who had to go off through injury, so you were going to worry it was defensively, and yet. Did we create enough for the attacking talent we had on the pitch? No, not at all. Um, the expected goals, which is obviously a stat that's been introduced into the mainstream recently, had us at just under half a goal. So, And I think actually the vast majority of that was one specific chance. So it, it, it did look difficult at times because... The ball was the ball kept coming back to our defenders and obviously they have been encouraged to play the ball on on the floor. But I, I was chatting to James a few minutes ago and sort of having a, a bit of a disagreement regarding the playing out from the back. And I'm I'm not entirely sure that you can make a sweeping gesture to to do one thing or the other I think you have to do the right thing at the right time and I think a lot of the time yesterday we didn't do it at the right time Um, we didn't play out from the back at the right time now I'll give you a couple of examples in the first half yesterday we had a number of situations where we did try and play out from our goal kicks the goal kicks on the floor obviously we went out wide to our defenders uh, our full backs and then we tried to push it across to the centre-backs and then obviously try and see a space opening up in midfield and see if we could play a a through ball. When we played a through ball, a lot of the time our midfielders had their backs um, towards the goal. The the most glaring example was Genduzzi, who then had to play it back. So we didn't have the right kind of players making space either side when that happened. And then also, (laughs) a lot of the time, we were playing four or five passes and then Czech was taking a long punt three or four passes and maybe a minute after he'd had the opportunity to do it when Manchester City weren't actually reset at the back. So if you're going to play a long ball, you might as well play it the first time 
and actually get all your players in that area where you're going to kick the ball rather than actually playing it around. So, that, look, I, I agree in passing the ball. I agree with ball retention. That all the, all the stats will tell you if you're one of the top teams, you have to play like that. We're going to play, um, you know, 16, 15 games at home this season where we'll be heavy odds on favourites and have a nearly 80% of the ball. So you have to do that. But I just think you have to do it at the right time. And a lot of the time yesterday, we didn't do it at the right time. So, so you're saying you would have still stuck with that philosophy even though it was Manchester City or you would have gone, you know what, you have to accept who you're playing. They are the best Listen, at what they do. No, no. Each individual situation should be judged on its merits. Right. And I don't think five passes across the defence with a back pass to check with him launching it forward is any different than, than taking a goal kick and launching it forward. Uh, in fact, all you're doing is wasting the time, allowing them to reset, allowing them to harry you down. And instead of taking a 70-30 a chance when the ball's in the air up front, we haven't really got strikers that are going to win the ball. No. But you're producing an 80-20 chance that you're going to lose the ball and, and create a good, a, a good chance for City. And, and, that, and that's, you know, that's what these teams will do against... And again, look, they're the best pressing team in the country, so let's not go too mad about this. But I just think the decision-making yesterday was poor. Was that your same opinion for you, James? <sighs> not entirely. Um... I think whether you're playing Man City or anyone else, if you want to play a philosophy of a high press and playing out from the back, you should do it against whoever you're playing. I think the issue is personnel-based, and maybe that does mean you shouldn't take that ta- take that approach. But the key issues we have are, firstly, we don't have good ball-playing ball centre-backs. Yeah. So what that means is... Or and, a goalkeeper. And, well, and what, what you've seen yesterday is the centre-backs split wide in full-back positions. And what yeah. should have happened is Xhaka and Guendouzi should have both been showing constantly for the ball and confident enough to receive from, the, from Petr Cech and take on the turn. They weren't doing that Well, I, I thought Guendouzi, for all, and we'll come on to him, there were great points, there were terrible points, but he looked like he wanted the ball yeah. a he, lot of opportunities. He, he always wanted the ball, but I'd say his positioning when he came to receive the ball okay. was a bit pedestrian. Um, but I think, you know, clearly playing Cech is an issue. But in, sorry, just to touch on our lack of attacking threat. What what the most important thing we're going to do this season is get Özil and Ramsey into positions where they can hurt teams. And the current system doesn't quite. It clearly, evidently, doesn't do that. It'll work against some teams, but there needs to be a recalibration there because Özil on the wing looks lost and he doesn't get it the ball in dangerous positions and Ramsey when he's pressing so high I understand why Emery employed that tactic because Ramsey is very good at that but it means he can't break from deep and that's when he's most dangerous and I mean I think the upshot is you end up dropping Mkhitaryan because he's great against cannon fodder but he's utterly anonymous against any big team and every Man United fan said the same thing when we bought him yeah well I think we'll come on to what you do against Chelsea and it's interesting that one game in and already there's Probably it feels like three changes coming, if not more, ahead of Saturday. But we'll get to that. But just there was an odd moment where it seemed ironic cheers from the Arsenal crowd yesterday when when Czech eventually did launch it. And there was also a moment that I can remember that was picked up on the match of day highlights where Socrates just eventually just you know gave up this kind of playing the ball, playing the ball, and hit it into absolutely no man's land about just to get it almost like a rugby clearance, just to get a bit a bit of space and a bit of breathing. And it, it there seemed moments where like. I don't know, the Arsenal fans were getting a bit fed up on mass, although I didn't like the ironic cheering. It didn't seem like the way to support your team. No, that was pantomime stuff and, you know, go back to Highbury, it wouldn't have happened. But, you know, you've got 60,000 people there and you've got, you know, at least 30,000. Well, I mean, some of the people around me yesterday. Where were you? You could have a whole podcast on it. Uh, Upper tier, halfway line on the benches side. So quite a nice seat, but, you know, 
some of the people around me. Again, you know, it doesn't matter where I sit in the stadium, arriving 15 minutes into the game, leaving with 10 minutes to go in the first half, coming back 10 minutes, gone in the second half, and then leaving, leaving early. Almost like it's an inconvenience. And I'm not just saying it once or twice. There were loads of people doing that. And that, that you could do a whole podcast on that. And I've, I've said it plenty of times before. But back, back to, you know, what's happening on the pitch. Yeah, the, the ironic jeers, they are, you know, that is stupid because you can't really start getting at the players in a mass way like that. Um, especially again, let's mention again, playing a team like Man City. But I still do believe that there is a time and a place to play out from the back. And most of the time, it, it, it will be the majority of the time. But yesterday, 1 0 down against them, we were being harried all over the place. It was very obvious we didn't have the players to play that way. So we should have just gone to taking a 70 30 chance much further up the pitch by putting all our players to one side. I mean, that, that is an effective tactic sometimes. And it might be a bit big, Sam, but. but You've, we've got fast players. We've got players that can win the ball. We haven't got a Giroud that can go and win a header. We haven't got a, a going back even further an Alan Smith. But you could put the ball into a channel and get players to chase it down. Well, it was Sam Allardyce, I think, was on Talk Sport, wasn't he? And he was sort of being a bit, a bit mocking of Emery's sort of tactics against. Uh... Well, I must Manchester say, City yesterday. I'm trying to find the quotes. Yeah, he, he said here, it is the manager's fault. Don't ask somebody to do it against Manchester City. Um, he's talking about Czech playing out from the back. Um, against Manchester City it's what you shouldn't do you shouldn't play like that Um, what do Manchester City do they press they press they press why do you try and play out when they do that even the Arsenal crowd cheered when Czech dropped one in the opposition's half we're getting obsessed with this stupid let's play out from the back split the centre half either side of the 18 yard box and go and play from there it is utter rubbish to play like that all of the time when you're the best at it like City are then you can do it the key words there are all of the time I agree with his statement because he added all of the time if he'd said it's utter rubbish to play like that, then I'd have been massively disagreeing with it. Yeah. But but Tony Adams has just gone on TalkSport and said an, an even worse few things. So the breaking news at the moment is he, Tony Adams has just gone on TalkSport and said, I can't understand what Unai Emery's been doing the last five or six weeks. Which I um, and, and I love Tony Adams, but that is an appalling statement on national radio from him. And I, you know, it, I can't begin to defend it. It is embarrassing, particularly when... When you consider Man City a club who has the best manager in world football in probably the last decade, unlimited budget, all the rest of it, it took them six to seven months to really start firing under Pep and get used to what he's trying to do. The World Cup final was less than six weeks ago, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 an embarrassing statement from him. And I'd I'd say on Big Sam, I'm not really interested in what he has to say about playing Man City because the last time he played them with Everton, they were 4-0 down at half-time. I think that's a good point, but that was with Everton. And, you know, we're not Everton. I think one place above them, I think, last year. Yeah, I'm trying trying (laughs) to find these these quotes with Tony Adams saying, I don't know what he's been doing for the last five or six weeks. Um... Well, I, I dare say we will have a chance to, to listen to those quotes later. Um, from Tony, who's uh, always got something very strong, strong to say uh, when it comes to matters at Arsenal. I just, wa- just want to talk about some of the other positives and negatives about the game. Xhaka. Um, I, I mean, last year played every single Premier League game, which, which is an amazing achievement to be injury-free, considering we had European games that, you know, Wenger saw to pick him every single Premier League game. He started the first game here under Emery. He's just signed a new contract. And yet, 
I would say most of the fan base is is that fair? Probably of the opinion now that they would like to see him given a given a break from being a, you know an absolute shoe in to make this Premier League team. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if you take a barometer of kind of people you sit around, and I sit right near you, I think Al, and people are getting particularly upset with him. I think he probably deserves to be cut a bit of slack because he hasn't had much of a pre-season compared to some of the other guys. And I think there's a lot of knee-jerk reaction set. You know, he had a bad game. Gwenduzi did okay in terms of attitude-wise. He was brilliant and he looks like there's a player there. But I've seen calls for Gwenduzi to take his place, which is massively premature. I think you... I think with all of these players, you need to give them a chance to settle into the system, whether we like it or not. Jacare is a senior first team member, and he has played. He played well, very well in the second half of last season for Arsenal. I'd like to see him in a system whereby he plays with Torreira, because Jacare was because Guendouzi's positioning yesterday. He was so bad. Jacare was doing a lot of running backwards, which we know he's not good at. Mm. One would hope if he plays with Torreira, that could help to alleviate it and actually allow him to do the things he's good at. I mean. And the problem for Xhaka is playing against a team like Man City, who are so good at pressing high. He's a press magnet because he doesn't release the ball fast enough, yeah. which we saw yesterday. But I'd, I'd be starting him at Chelsea. Well, I think he will start, won't he? I mean, presumably with Torreira. Well, yeah, I'd have thought so. I, I don't think Guendouzi, at his age, can be thrust into two games like that, one no. after the other. So um, I, I would agree with you there. Uh, with Xhaka, I think... You can be obviously. I've been very critical of certain players down the years on on this podcast. I think one thing you could say about Xhaka yesterday is that what he ch- was trying to do was definitely the right thing. Yep. He just didn't execute it that well. I think you're in a much bigger problem if you're not executing it well and you're making appalling decisions. So I guess that that should come good. But maybe he does need a rest. Yeah, right. and I think if you're making excuses of lack of sharpness for some players in the team and not others it's not fair you have to yeah. treat them all equally he's played, I mean, he's been at the club you know, the two previous years he's just started this year he's closing in on 100 games for Arsenal already he's played, played a lot of football for for the club um, now the player that probably divided opinion or you could you could probably do a highlights reel from yesterday and put it up on YouTube and he would look like one of the worst players to ever put on the shirt yesterday and there were also bits that were brilliant yesterday uh, from Gwendozi 19 impressive one of the ball didn't hide most touches yesterday I think most passes, there's something there that looked quite exciting. And with, and with six Europa League group games, um, Carabao Cup games, presumably some Premier League appearances, it's time to bed him in and, and really see what he's got. It's, it's interesting because you start to see how spoilt we were with Patrick Vieira. I know he'd been at AC Milan for a long time when we, when we had him, but it was of a similar age. But he just didn't make those mistakes, and I just think that's absolute freak occurrence. So when you put someone in like that, there's always a temptation to say, "Oh, is that is he the new Vieira? Is he a young player that's going to play for you know five, six, seven, eight years and, and be dominating our midfield?" There were certain games in pre-season where I saw him, and he has he has a wonderful control of the ball and his cross-field passing, which you sometimes need to open up. I don't think it's I don't think it's very long ball to be playing diagonals that are only going ten. 10 foot forward it's actually switching the play from flank to flank and he's really good at that his passes are almost spot on whenever he does that but he almost got a bit too carried away yesterday and I think that's that was the mistake for the Aguero one-on-one he almost got too wrapped up in himself and he he, he tripped up didn't he let Aguero in one-on-one yeah. and people will remember that because it was one of the highlights of the game and obviously if you're a, a match of the day viewer you didn't get to see the whole game you might end up thinking that he had a bad game but I agree with you I think there were loads of positives there 
again, it's a ruthless world. You can't really learn on the job in the Premier League, especially at a club like Arsenal. Yeah, well, I mean, we, we just spoke about there about Torreira probably coming in a good 15, 20 minutes and then Xhaka probably playing it. What, what do you see the role as Gwendo this season? It's, it's presumably back up to those two in that kind of role in the team. Of Gwendozi? Yeah. Yeah, I think... I think the way this squad is being structured, there's very set understudies for particular rules, roles. So, um, you know, uh, Gwendozi is clearly the Xhaka understudy, I think. Um, Elneny is probably the Torreira understudy and, and so on. And I think he did he did well, but he played, I think he played 10 or 15 league de games last year and to throw him into this kind of environment was was harsh. I think... My sense is, and it, I mean, it's interesting to see he played the full 90 minutes as well, I guess that was purely a fitness thing. But he's going to be, I think he's one of those players who's always going to catch people's attention anyway, f- partly because of his kind of physical appearance, big hair, and he's also quite a dynamic player. Um, I, so he's always going to catch people's attention, whether it's in a good or a bad way. I think he did fine, and attitude-wise, perfect, but he shouldn't be playing in, it's not really fair on him to be playing in games like that. Okay, well, look, we've got to go for a quick break and then we'll be back analysing this in some more detail. It's also time to remind you that the Footballistically Arsenal podcast is sponsored by Labrooks. And if you want to check out their great offers, you can go to bet.arsenalpodcast.net. We're back from the break. Now, one of the other new signings to make an appearance against Manchester City was a, was a full-back, a left-back, having to come on for Ainsley Maitland-Niles, a Lichsteiner coming on, the, the Swiss international, also someone that had been in the World Cup. And they're pretty positive reviews, really, for, for him and his performance. And if it is that Monreal isn't back in time for Chelsea, actually, in a way, you think, well, we're not in a horrible shape there, Al, going into the game. What did you make of his, of his performance? I thought it was... A pretty mixed game. I I wasn't one getting completely carried away about him, and then you know I was sat on the train afterwards, and people were were raving, and I thought it was a bit OTT. I'm not saying he played badly. I just think that he just had a, a, a reasonably average debut. He, he was at fault for the second goal, but uh, I, that has actually reminded me that I wanted to say that we we have a, we're talking about timing, playing it around at the back, also timing of tackles. We just, we. I know, we're, and again, we're playing against City who like to run at you and they like to keep the ball at their feet and it's all about close control. But the amount of times we guide people into our area and then decide to make a last-ditch tackle, it worked for Maitland-Niles yesterday, but we could easily be giving away penalties. And we give away, we've given away lots of penalties over the last three years where we suddenly switch on to maybe we need to tackle now and it's almost too late. You need to be driving players out towards the side and, and making tackles outside the area. So that was one point that came up from Lichtensteiner, but I, I thought he had an average debut, but not not particularly bad. Yeah, I mean, the, talking about those tackles, there was that one moment where Socrates just took a decision, didn't he? He goes, right, there's a dangerous situation. I will bring them down and make sure it's outside the area. Mm. And there's also that, there's a, there's a class, if you can get them just, you know, literally a yard out the area, it's almost too close to goal for a free kick, whereas if it's five, six yards away, it's a perfect position. That was a slightly different situation because he was actually chasing the play then. So he, he made the foul chasing the yeah, play. Yeah, it was a deliberate What I mean foul. is when... We're all when we're when our defence is set and we've got people running at us. Yeah. Then people should be. I mean, it's, it's schoolboy stuff. Take them out wide and try and make a tackle before they get in the area. Um, 
and that didn't happen a lot of the time yesterday. Yeah, it felt Sterling's inevitable. That, that first 10, 15 minutes, I, I, I sit right down in the corner where Man City were attacking in that first half and there was a very clear targeting almost it felt of Mains and Niles and with Mares who's who's absolutely brilliant and what, what a joy and it must be fun for him to go from playing with his teammates at Leicester to being at Man City to have Carl Walker who looked incredibly sharp for someone that played such a role in, in getting to World Cup semi-final it seemed inevitable they were hitting the byline often enough eventually they were going to pick out a man eventually there were going to be some goals yesterday um, but like you say I think overall and we're moving on from the from the game now you, you can't really draw conclusions We'll still, Al, you'll tell me six, you know, we'll still be expected to finish six, having having sort of, you know, lost that game yesterday. Yeah. And the overall expectation for the season probably, probably hasn't changed too much. No, it hasn't. And even if you're referring to the prices, and, and again, a lot of analysis goes into the prices these days. It's not just, you know, they lost the game, chalked them up a bit further, and they won a game, then shortened them. But they're, the, the team's... Fourth, fifth, and sixth in the title betting are quite close together in terms of percentages, and that's still the case after yesterday after us drifting. So, again, it has to be the target that we finish top four, and that isn't out of the question. We're going to be the outsiders, but I, I wouldn't be too despondent based on um, the prices. There's a big enough gap back to seventh, and there were some people talking yesterday saying that. You know, the big five could be a real thing and Arsenal are going to just cut, be cut adrift as the sixth team. That doesn't happen. It very rarely happens when, when um, sides break away from being, from being um, within that, you know, that top uh, set of teams. It, it doesn't happen. So I can't see that at all. I, people talking like we're going to have a, a season like Chelsea had that season when they're in danger of relegation. I don't think you can make sweeping conclusions like that from one game, but I, I, I really can't see that at all. We t- we have too much we have too much quality across across the pitch. Well, if you've stopped talking about yesterday's game, I I would like to mention Özil. Yeah, well, Özil and Mkhitaryan, I think, could probably be thrown a you know thrown in a similar you know mode of, of topic in the sense that both were probably very disappointing, and it seems Mkhitaryan has to be the one to drop out ahead of the next couple of games. I mean, James, or do you want to make that point, Al, that you were going to make? James first. Thank you. Um, Mkhitaryan is the one to come out. For, and it's it's two things. One, uh, it's because Ozil has to stay in. He has shown many times he can impact big games when the platform is right. And we know he's the sort of player who needs the right environment to succeed in matches, but he's done it enough times to warrant his place. And being frank, I can't think of many games in the last three years when Ozil hasn't played and we've played particularly well. Mkhitaryan, on the other hand, is super lightweight. Um, he doesn't impact big games against the best teams and he didn't do it for United I, he's fine he's a stat padder as far as I'm concerned yeah. against weak teams um, I think we got a bum deal from Man United we should have taken the money when we got rid of Alexis no totally agree totally agree but on, on Ozil I, I, I can't agree I, I, the, the problem that we've had in the past on, on this podcast is that people sometimes take things that you say too black and white and Whenever I've spoken about Ozil, I've always, always maintained before I come to the negatives that there are untold positives, untold positives with him. Obviously, is our best player. Technique, creation of assists, uh, creation of goals, sorry, um, which is assists. Um, his, his technique in some of the goals that he scored for us just wouldn't have been scored by other players. And you know there's a buck coming. And, and yesterday... 
He jumped out of three 50-50s. In fact, he was 60-40 in two of them. He jumped out of them. He does not want to know in that certain situation. And if you can accept that, that's fine. He doesn't deserve a free pass for doing it because yesterday he did it. And and what, what you need to do, I mean, obviously the German situation has gone far too far and there are other horrible connotations behind behind that and we don't want to go into that. So he has the support of every Arsenal fan. But those negatives, they, they're, they're not people picking at things and, and not understanding football. He really, he, you know, he really does have an issue with that additional bit of commitment to get back. He's running and... As I say, three times yesterday he had 50-50s, even 60-40s that he just didn't want to go into. He's scared of that kind of challenge. And sometimes you need someone like that in your midfield that's prepared to make that challenge. Otherwise, you're going to be under pressure. Uh, When we were favourites for the league, just after the the Leicester game that we won with the Welbeck header where we went favourites for the league, we played West Bromwich Albion away. And for their second goal, he did exactly that. He, He stood there and decided not to make a tackle which led to their second goal and we dropped points and didn't win the league and I've always remembered that because again speak about him however you like as a fantastic footballer with the technique of you know the top 200 footballers of all time definitely but that is a massive massive issue and he's never going to improve it so you're going to just have to as Arsenal fans you have to swallow it Uh, it, you know it's I don't know what you can do. I don't know what you can do. Because you just got to accept it. You, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't be taking him out of the team. No, you can't. Yeah, as, as James has said, he has to be the first name on the team sheet. Yet, he's going to do that. And <laughs> it's hard to accept. I think I agree with a lot of what you said. And unfortunately, he's Ozil's probably, frankly, too long in the tooth and too experienced now to really change how he plays. Yeah, definitely. I don't, I don't like that element, but he yeah. is what he is. But you, it's quite... Interesting. You said you need someone in who plays in midfield who's going to be more robust. Mm. The answer is don't play him in midfield, which we did yesterday. And he was so deep yesterday and he gets lost. That's and true. and yeah. you expose him to yeah. those scenarios which you discussed. And I, the answer is, I think, has to be a shift in how we play. And that's, as I said earlier, move Ramsey further back because he's far more robust in those physical confrontations. Well, he had so, so few he touches. The, he was the fourth uh, furthest player from... Yeah, the goal, and he should from, be from the goal we were attacking highest, really. in the average positions yesterday, and uh, yeah, as you say, he definitely should be second highest. Um, well, Ram- and you see the stretch in the the fullbacks that you mentioned earlier is, is spot on. What we definitely didn't see is enough of Ramsey on the ball yesterday. They just Agreed. you know in that role. So so let's just move forward then to to Chelsea. It's it's a game that we have got some pretty terrible memories of going to Stamford Bridge, and we don't think we won there since 2011. What do we do? We, we, we presumably want to find a way that... Well, hopefully Monreal's back, so that could be that could be one change. You think is going to come in probably for Guendouzi. That's, that's two changes. You think Mkhitaryan probably comes out the team. I just, Does it feel like Lacazette? Is it Aubameyang yeah. going out wide? Is it I'd, then Lacazette going on top? Is those the three changes? I'd, I'd make those exact changes. I'd consider changing the goalkeeper as well, frankly. But um, can you but, do that after one game? Because he, well, presumably uh, it was such a lot of... And I think he was asked about it after the game, Emery, and, and his comments were that, you know, he's his number one and he'll be, he'll be sticking with him. I mean, if he took him out the team now, I mean, that would kill, this, the, kill him for the season, yeah, wouldn't it? But that, I mean, this person's preference, that would be fine by me. I don't want to see Czech near the team. Um, and that's by the by. But in terms of how you shoehorn those players in... I 
I'd be tempted to just to really change our formation. So that's playing Torreira at the base of a diamond in midfield alongside with Xhaka and Ramsey either side. Ozil plays in more of a number 10 position and you play the two strikers. Because the issue we have in our team, there are, there's two fast players in our team, Bellerin who plays at right back and Aubameyang who gets isolated. There is no, there's no real pace elsewhere in the side. And the system we set up in yesterday puts a hell of a lot of pressure on our fullbacks to create the width and create the pace. And if, whether it's Monreal or Lichsteiner who play at left back, that's not, we're not going to get that. And we have to find a way where Ozil's more effective. We have to find a way where Aubameyang has more of an outlet and Lacazette can provide that because he's so good in the build-up. And I'd rather take a risk and play the two of them up front than try... And to me, if we play Aubameyang out left, number one, we sacrifice his attacking potency. And number two, are we really any more defensively secure than if we played him out wide in a four-five-one? Probably not. It will be interesting because it seems like this this is what he wanted to do and, and all it would have taken almost is like a, a draw yesterday and then you've got the confidence and you think, right, this is how we're going to play. Going to stick with pretty much this team, maybe Torreira, memory Monreal, but you could have stuck with that attacking quartet. But yes, it wasn't embarrassing. Yes, we only lost 2-0, but it's still very clear there's going to have to be some kind of changes. Would, would you do anything further? Would those be your three changes? A goalkeeper, would you do anything further, Al? Well, I, just, I think... You look at the defence, which was the main issue yesterday, which is obviously something we all agree on, despite the fact that we didn't create or score any goals. Yet, I don't see where you can make those changes. I mean, if you actually said to even the best defensive coaches around, say, right, you need to go and get a draw here. We haven't actually got the players to go and play for a draw. We might as well go with what James said and actually attack and try and... And try and outscore them, and that, and people will, will be thinking, "Hold on a minute, isn't that what you said Wenger did all the time to our detriment?" I just think to, uh, against Chelsea, we just got no other choice than to try and sneak a three-two. That's well, Jurgen Klopp throughout his well, not necessarily his career, but throughout all his time at Liverpool, has said, "Hey, I'm probably not particularly good defensive coach, and B, I haven't had the personnel historically before they got mm. Van Dijk anyway." And they've just always tried to front load and get all their best attacking players on the pitch at the same time with a view to the fact they might concede, but they're going to hedge their bets and hope they're going to score mm. enough. And I kind of think we're in a similar position. It's another, it's another free hit as far as I'm concerned. Although, again, you know, I, I must hold my hands up and say, I've sat here numerous times saying, why did Wenger just chuck him out on the pitch with, with no defensive instruction and... Uh, see how we can go in, in, in outscoring them. But that is the only option open to Emery this weekend. Yeah, I mean, you, you, there's no real argument to bring in holding for either of the two centre-backs. I mean, it, it will be, you know, what, what we kind of expect and I'll be staggered if, if Czech well, the same as the same him. as the Czech decision. If you... He's not going to pull them out. If you, Yeah, I think if you make such a big statement... I think one thing Wenger always got right is when he put players... He obviously there were certain players that he got either annoyed with or wanted out of the team, but he never did it in in a, a way where it it really exposed the player. He, he would do he, you know he would change it after a cup game or something like that, or make out that the player's got an injury in training, and always make sure that the the player was looked after. So I mean, if we if we just briefly think about the players who could have a role this season in the first team who weren't involved yesterday, it won't be. You know, Welbeck. Well, Five-year deal, Awobi. I mean, I don't know whether that's just to maintain an, an English presence within 
And he does count as homegrown, doesn't he? he? Does. Even though he's playing for Nigeria, so I'd, uh, I'd like to see Iwobi under a new manager. Actually, and yeah, I mean, you feel like Iwobi could a, have a role. I think there's a player in there. Um, and then obviously, you know, Koscielny will be back around Christmas. But there's not there's not loads of sort of players not involved yesterday who we're going to be sort of calling upon and, and going to be a massive improvements on this squad. This is this is pretty much what we've got. Uh, which probably is the sixth best squad somewhere in the Premier League, which will um, ultimately be where about we are. Just in general, you enjoyed being back at the Emirates yesterday. It didn't feel desperately different. You thought, you know, after 22 years, it was going to feel, it felt very similar, apart from personally, we sit in the back row of, of Block 12, and there's obviously been this extra row in club level above us, so I can no longer see the big screen from my seat that I used to, and they've installed these smaller screens at the back of the lower tier, so you get to see the replays oh, really? just on the screen, which is kind of nice, but I also quite like seeing the upper screen, but I hope that that extra row they've made in club level is is, is probably paying Ozil's wages um, slowly it's, as we go through the season. It's more space for Boyd, isn't it? But I, I did, re- <laughs> yeah, it is more space for Boyd, who who was delighted to say that the veggie uh, the veggie burger has survived the uh, summer transfer window and remains a, an option at eleven pounds for those in club level should they want it. But it was good to be back. You enjoyed being back at the stadium for the new year. Bit of optimism. Yeah, I did. It was, you know, um, it was the first time in a long time I went there with a real sense of excitement. Is probably the wrong word. So I kind of had preempted the result, but anticipation because I had no real idea of how an Unai Emery team was going to play and there's it's exciting isn't it uh, and it was genuinely full not even the whole like you know announcing 59,900 and whatever it was genuinely that number no empty seats that I could see I counted as I always do about 16 of the executive boxes completely empty okay which... boxes aside because I boxes guess it's August yeah, the yeah. category A they are not cheap yeah. those boxes but in the, in the in the crowds it seemed genuinely no, I just wonder how many companies had to Boxes available and just didn't. Oh, I don't know. Didn't feel them, which is which is always an annoyance of mine. Yeah. Um, a few club level seats were empty, but apart from that, it was good. It's it's good. It felt yeah. busy. It, it felt it, like it the fans are pretty united did. again. That's the same. It's, a, it's a totally different stadium. Yeah. Now, so I think you have to put up with that that aspect. And as I say, the the day trippers and people cheering goals, even though you can see a linesman with a flag up, which obviously means offside and things like that. Just that I, I, I did that stupidity. yesterday, to be fair. Oh, a few come, times. On, James, <laughs> come on. We should do a podcast special with things that annoy Alan at football. I think it'd be a 10-part special. But it wasn't my, it wasn't my biggest annoyance from yesterday, Josh, was it? What was it? that? It was uh, a legend of Arsenal taking credit for my tactical change. Oh, yeah, we, we had an event. A side game. It was... Well, hang on, I'll, I'll give some context. We had, we, had to, we had a Play With a Legend event in the Arsenal Hub ahead of a game, which we were doing on many occasions. Thanks for the and, uh, and thanks for the link. And you really should go, because and it's a top event. That's very kind. So we were with Nigel Winterburn yesterday, who at half-time, he was on Alan's team, and they were getting quite well beaten by a, a group of, of Arsenal fans who much had come younger, to join much our younger, event. Much younger guys. And uh, Alan suggested that they uh, pinpoint the, uh, the key player and, and man-mark him, and Nigel went over and did it, and suggested that was the turning point yeah. of the game. But he then did an interview for Arsenal Fan TV afterwards and said, I decided at half-time to go and man mark their best player. I'm thinking, oh, hold on a minute, I told you to go and do it. Well, but, it was a, jo- a joint decision, I think but, we'll, um, we'll, we'll put it down to. But Charlie yeah. Eccleshire, who can't be here, partnered me in defence and we, we managed to... Yes, Charlie from the Telegraph, who will be back Shore it in up the, a, a little more than, uh, than in the first half. But no, uh, all, all things uh, joking aside, great event. And, That's very uh, kind. It was... 
an honour to play in the same side as Nigel Winterburn. You did say when you arrived, this is going to be awkward with having two left-backs at the team. <laughs> yeah. That's what well, when, when we were in the dressing room, we found out we had four left-backs in, <laughs> uh, in a team of eight for seven aside. It was so. seven aside. So, yeah, if anyone does want to join, uh, the next time we're doing it is ahead of the Arsenal-Everton game, which is the 23rd of September. Just go to playwithlegend.com forward slash Arsenal Hub. Um, well, we've spoken briefly about the Chelsea game, which is a game on Saturday. Are you going, James? You're, gonna, you're, you're visiting Stamford Bridge. I'm, I'm going to yeah. be um, abroad, but I'll be watching. Just, just give us a prediction then. Is there any hope? Is it going to be naught points from six, one, three? Where are we going to be? I think we will get a 2-2 draw. That's fairly optimistic. I'll t- take a 2-2 draw myself. What do you think, Gail? I think we'll lose 2-1. I think it'll be a decent performance, though, and I don't think there'll be too much to be upset about. I was going to go for the same. A 2-1 defeat, but hopefully more positives to take. I would like to see, uh, hopefully, Monreal back. I think we will invariably see a change to that forward line in some way. And, uh, yeah, look, let's remain positive. I think it just closed on Peter Cech's comments because he was talking to the media, as he so often does. He is the one that fronts up when we lose and talks. And he, he just said, I think the fans have to understand that when you start building a new team with a new manager and a completely new way, it may take time we need to adjust a few things but I think we are on a good way we face probably the biggest favourite to win the title next week we have another big game we'll be better prepared because we have this game behind us well let's hope Peter check was right thank you so much Alan for joining us thank you so much for James and uh, we'll be back well Boyd will be back next Monday I will be away but he'll be back for another podcast next week This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. The Footballistically Arsenal podcast is sponsored by Labrooks. And if you want to check out their great offers, you can go to bet.arsenalpodcast.net. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.